0: inspired leadership is getting that person so excited or so intrigued or so challenged that they are truly moved into action
1: welcome to inspiring leaders the podcast that shares ideas perspectives and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader Welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Terry Lepofsky, and I want to thank you for clicking on the play button. I think you'll be glad that you did because today we get the opportunity to talk with a veteran leader who's willing to share her insights, perspectives, and stories. Having heard some of these stories previously, I know that you'll be glad that you joined us. Here's a question for all of our listeners. Do you have a mentor? If not, would you like one? This is something I've thought about many times over my own career, and at one point I realized it wasn't just a good idea, but that my own success required that I seek out someone with loads of experience and wisdom. Getting guidance from someone who's been down that path several times before us, it's pure gold and a huge benefit to any career. Today I'm really happy that my friend and a veteran leader is joining us, all the way from Overland Park, Kansas, Tina Shouse is here to share some of her experience and wisdom Tina Schos, welcome to Inspiring Leaders.
0: Thank you, Terry. As always, it's been a pleasure to join you in any of your, of your adventures, and you have been a real benefit and have helped me in several ways, so it's the least I can do to spend some time with you today, see if we can get some other leaders inspired.
1: Well, as usual, you're way too kind, but listen, before we get too deep into your insights, your stories, here's a quick question for you. What leader has inspired you and why?
0: I've been extremely blessed when it comes to having really good leaders in my life. I would say probably the number one leader in my life was my grandmother. You know, you don't really think about leaders being your grandmother. I mean, I could could say President Obama. He's my political most inspiring leader as of late. But as far as really what when I consider the attributes of a true leader is someone who can inspire you, someone who can teach you, someone who moves you to action, someone who holds you accountable. Someone who gives you a vision of something that you can achieve or, or, or shows you things that are bigger than you are. I would say that my number one person in my life that has held that position has to be my grandmother.
1: How could anybody not respect an answer like that? <laughs> that? That is fabulous. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Now, listen, we've had some really good facility management leaders on our show already, and I know that that's your background as well, but I also see that you're a leader who's truly been there, done that, and got the t-shirt. And in fact, you probably have several proverbial t-shirts of experience. <laughs> the first thing that I really want to know from you is, do you prefer the term veteran leader or just the term legend? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Because I know you, Tina, and you're way too young to be called a veteran leader.
0: Um, You know, legend is so audacious in some ways. I just want to be known that you have left an imprint on someone's life in a positive way. Then I don't mind the moniker of a legend. I wasn't the smartest girl in school. I wasn't the most educated, I wasn't the richest by any means, but if being a legend is being able to look back over the... In my life, I think you have to look back through what I call blue star moments, and blue star moments are those things where you've done something substantial or you have a wonderful experience and you just imprint it in your mind as a blue star moment. I jokingly say when I'm old and decrepit and can't remember anything else, I'm hoping that I can remember my blue star moments. But but it's also a way of tucking away those special things that you've accomplished or that you've been a part of.
1: Well, let me see if I can remind you of a few of these, because I was looking this up before. I went over to your LinkedIn site, Tina, and I saw that you had served as the chair of the IFMA Board of Directors. You've been the chair for the Global Facility Management Board of Directors, You were the General Manager of Employee Services at Sprint for 18 years. You were Vice President of Client Services for Facility Engineering Associates until just last year. And now you've gone and founded your own firm, FM Transitions. This is a crazy list of senior leadership positions, and and yet I also know that you're an avid golfer. I don't know how you find time for that. You've run a marathon. Seriously, Tina, I don't know how you can do this with the kind of extraordinary career activity. So I, I want to know, how does such a nice girl from Kansas find herself at the top of so many great organizations? And what are the, what are the rest of us missing? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know that you're missing it. I think one of the things that I began doing when I, was, when I woke up one day and said, I can't be everything to everybody. I have to prioritize what I'm good at and what I have the bandwidth to share. And what I mean by that is I'm very involved in my church. I'm on the board of directors for a major nonprofit, Metro-Lutheran ministry. But what I tried to do within my volunteer organizations or within my other activities, I've tried to do it in the areas where I'm most comfortable. If my church would ask me to be on the finance committee, I might say no because that's not my strong suit. But when they asked me to project manage a $4 million addition to the church, I gladly said yes, because that fits my profession. It fits my knowledge. And so it's easier for you to spread yourself out a little bit farther if you're doing something that's already within your sweet spot. Right. And I do the same thing now. I'm trying really, really hard to be very selective about my speaking engagements my teaching engagements, my consulting engagements, and quite honestly, unless it's something that I am extremely comfortable with or I have already done it in some form or fashion and I can mold it into something will be relatable. Those are the things that I'm trying to focus on because I do want to give more back to the community. and I do want to spend more time with my family. Won't we running any more marathons? I check that box.
1: Yeah, well, that's saying a lot because I've seen your public speaking and you are one talented keynote speaker.
0: And it's something I enjoy. You asked the question about how do you get there or what what are you missing? The number one thing is figure out the direction. Find what your real purpose is. And I remember distinctly the day, and it wasn't after when I was hired as a facility manager, it was the day that I said, this is me. This is my profession. This was what I was meant to do when I grow up. When I found that that was my purpose, then I created a plan around that that had to fit my current life state.
1: Interesting, like a formal written down plan. Oh yeah, I'm impressed.
0: And it had to be big and, and you know was there were steps and things that had to, had to happen. And then I and then I found that I needed to really make myself immensely valuable. How so? I wanted to be of value. If I took on something, I wanted to actually make a difference doing it.
1: You mean a value to somebody else?
0: Exactly. Whether that's a project, whether that is a person. So, and then the other thing is, I did this kind of, this technique, it's called interview your future self.
1: Oh, interesting. Tell me about this.
0: If you do this kind of self-interview, you think about asking the questions about, this is not who I am today, but these are things that I would need to be able to respond to in order to be that person that I see myself as 10 years from now.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: So you're looking forward, but it takes work. It really does take work to envision the future you. I was playing in a benefit golf tournament yesterday, and this woman was saying that she was really, this friend of hers was having difficulty finding work. And I said, we've got to talk to her about the power of building that network. And that's my other secret sauce, secret ingredient in the sauce is I loved networking with people. I love getting to know people. I want to be a giver with those people as much as if I ever needed them, I would want them to be able to respond in a a positive way. So networking is absolutely paramount. Um, I have never, ever interviewed for a job.
1: You've never interviewed for a job, and yet you've had all of these very senior board-level positions?
0: Never filled out a job application. I have been recruited from one company to go to another, where I was already employed by that company. For instance, I was with Aramark, and Sprint was my client. And so the head of corporate real estate for Sprint knew me through my relationship at Aramark, went to work for Sprint. Then I went back on and and then FEA, uh, the CEO and the president were IFMA. One of the gentlemen was on my board of directors when I was on the board and so on and so forth. So it really that the whole networking thing and then just being very careful about how you cultivate the right kind of network. There's so many people that it's more about the number of people that they have in LinkedIn versus the value of the people they have on LinkedIn.
1: Would it be fair to say that connecting the dots of your career, those dots have actually been connected by people? Very much so. Interesting. You are an extraordinary people person. Have you always been that way? Like you're also a bit of an extrovert too, I've noticed. (laughs) Just a touch. So did you have to build skills in this regard? Is this something that came to you naturally or or is there any advice that you can give to people about how to network or how to increase the, the quality of their networks?
0: be genuine. And like I said, be a little protective. It's, it's interesting because I watch people, especially at like an IFMA chapter meeting or some other sort of, I used to go to the small business group that GSA put on. There were people who were literally the, the little flies that kind of bug you and they jump from place to place. And yeah. it was like, it, it was more about how many cards they could get, how many individual business cards could they get in, in the span of the meeting, which was about an hour to hour and a half. Versus sitting down and having two or three really meaningful conversations and asking people about themselves, finding out what they do, finding out about their children, finding out what good books have they read. Because that's how you get to know people. So it's really taking the time to build that networking group genuinely and sincerely. I just got contacted by a young man. He's probably about 34, 35, and he's really wanting, He's he's gone out and got his FMP and uh, several other credentials and designations, really wants to move forward in the industry. And he said, I saw you speak at a conference, at a keynote, and I came up to you. You won't remember me. Would you be my mentor when I'm ready? And I said, tell me why you want me and tell me what we're going to accomplish together and what you would like to see and the relationship, and then we'll talk. He waited like six months, and then I just got a call from him, and he says, I'm ready, and here's what I want to do. Oh, wow. But I made him think about that. You have to think about why you would want to mentor, why you would need this network, and why it's important for both of you.
1: Wow, that's good.
0: One of the presentations that I've actually done on taking your career to the next level, I was doing some research, and I read this article called Finding a Maven. It's M A V E N and Maven is is Yiddish. It's a Yiddish word. means It's like an all knowing or an elder that knows and not know it all. An elder that you could go to for knowledge. One who really truly knows life. And they're usually older people. One who and one who understands life. They can become those reliable sources of accumulated wisdom. One day I woke up and I thought all those days that I spent in nursing homes taking care of my great grandmother till ninety-nine, my grandmother till ninety-eight, my aunt until ninety-five, and I was surrounded by mavens and didn't even know it.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: You know, I didn't know they were mavens. All I know is that they were older people that had great stories and great wisdom to share.
1: But later in life in retrospect, he recognized it.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, getting back to the conversations that you mentioned that you were having with people during networking events and that sort of thing, rather than just trying to grab lots of business cards, you reminded me a little bit of what I used to call the Johnny Carson approach. Hmm. Johnny Carson, in his day as, as a late night talk show host, was really gifted at being able to drill down several layers with his questions very much so. And I find that that's a great way to build those networking conversations out.
0: This is really funny that you said that because after church on Sunday, I stopped my pastor and I said, I want you to know that I've been giving a lot of consideration to becoming much more politically active. I don't know exactly what that looks like yet. And I do know that I need to make an impact on certain in certain areas. And the one bit of advice that he gave me was instead of talking, you know, because I said, I said, I don't want to be the person that talks so loud that no one hears me. You know, those people. Yeah. And he said, start those conversations by asking questions. Good advice. We left it at that. And I said, okay, I'll be back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because it gets other people talking more.
0: Well, and I think it also, especially if you're going to do something that is political or something that is a little bit challenging or different. It makes people stop a moment to really think about what do I believe in? What do I stand for? What do I want to be when I grow up? How do I want this project to end? You know, that's one of the most fun things about what I do. I help organizations re-engineer their FM organizations. I help them break it apart, look at it, put it back together, hopefully in a better way. That takes a lot of, first of all, establishing credibility, first, secondly, establishing trust, and then third, asking a lot of really good questions about what you are currently doing, what you currently believe in, what you currently stand for, what you currently will not give up, but then also be thinking forward about what is important and what does success look like to you. And that's what I talked about when I said interviewing yourself when you really think about it what does success look like to me you know my story Terry is becoming chairman of the board that was a 10 year goal yeah but you had to have a vision in order to put yourself on that stage and then set that plan and then work it
1: and so now you've started your own firm mm-hmm. you're you're working i won't say working for yourself but you've got more autonomy and control over what it is that you're doing. Total. As Bob Dylan said, we're all going to have to serve somebody. So you're still serving your clients. Sure. But it's different with that. And where's that going to go for you?
0: Being able to be more selective about the projects I take and not being worried, so much worried about. When you work with other organizations, and no matter whether it was Sprint or Aramark or Waste Management or FEA, I always felt an obligation that if I didn't do something right or if I didn't pull my weight or if I didn't excel, I was letting someone else down. So you tend to do things way and above. Now I could be much more selective because I'm only depending on me. I'm, I'm the only one that I would let down except for a client and that would never happen because I would never go into something that I knew I wouldn't succeed at and do a great job for them. You know, my motto is if I like the client, I like the project and I like the location, I take the project or I take the speaking gig. That's what started our whole Canada vacation. I was going to speak in Toronto. So I got a chance to go to Ottawa and see great friends. I got to go to Niagara Falls and see other great friends. But then the end result was that I was in Toronto for a purpose. And that purpose was to share the message of how to build a better FM organization. That's the sweet thing about now is I wear those t-shirts proudly so that I can be much more selective and go my own way a little
1: bit more. So are you mentoring anybody right now? I
0: am. I have a couple of people that I'm mentoring. Good for you. I'm mentoring everybody from a very 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 high and why she picked me i i, <laughs> I, mean, I was like ah.
1: <laughs> i know
0: this is a very high ranking executive that's worked for many of the big companies all the way down to this young man who i just am taking on who started out as a janitor yeah for a company and then became the supervisor and then became the assistant facility manager and is now kicking the ball out of the park when it comes to getting education and now we're going to see where else we can take him
1: i I'm betting that you have him writing down his goals, breaking them into manageable <laughs> chunks, and working on his network in a very meaningful way.
0: And it's really sad, Terry, because I saw this, unfortunately, I saw this at Sprint, that there were times when, when it was lean times where people had to reach in their own pockets for their IFMA dues or for their BOMA dues or yeah. for their to attend a class or to attend a conference. You know, Sprint was extremely generous to me and to many, many, many others, but there were times when travel costs were leaner. I would highly encourage these people, take it out of your own pocket, go out to eat one day less a week, invest in yourself just like you would invest in your 401k. Those people who did take the effort and did make the investment, both time, energy, and financially, those are the people that have now landed really good job. Telecommunications is you know, had some rough spots. Oh yeah. Those people that did take the time to take care of themselves and invest in themselves have landed on their feet and have done really well.
1: Hey, listen, I want to thank you so much for sharing your perspectives, all that great experience Uh, as a, I'm not going to call it a veteran leader. I'm calling this one a legendary leader. I really know that your willingness to share and help is going to help a lot of our listeners out there. Two questions for you before we go. What are some of the bigger challenges that you see facing a lot of the leaders out there today?
0: Analysis paralysis, sometimes being more concerned about the immediate dollar versus looking forward and making better investments in their employees, in their workforce development. Sometimes to they put you in that position to lead. Sometimes you just have to reach out in the faith that someone else had in you. Don't overanalyze but then truly do
1: engage. Yeah, it requires a different perspective, doesn't it? It does. When you're in that leadership role, you really have to invent and find new ways and go down paths that have never been gone down before.
0: And and that's engaging your employees. I mean, and that's the thing that, one of the things that I talk to my clients about is I say, we're going to do an analysis of your operations and they say, okay, well, I'll schedule this much and this much time with you. And, And I said, no, I really want to talk to everybody. I want to get all perspectives. But I would like for you then to hear those perspectives so that you can understand and, and really listen. Because leading is important to listen as it is to talk.
1: Okay, I've, here's my last question for you. Okay. What does inspired leadership mean to you, Tina?
0: Being moved to act. How so? When someone gives me enough evidence or enough information, motivation, that really inspires me to want to do something. I mean, I have a lot of people ask me to do things and I say, no, that is not inspired leadership. Inspired leadership is getting that person so excited or so intrigued or so challenged that they are truly moved into action.
1: Oh, I love that. I I haven't heard that on the show before. That's rich. There you go. Okay, Tina. If people want to connect with you, and I can pretty much guarantee that a few people out there will, or maybe more than just a few, how are they going to find you?
0: They can reach out to me on my email address, T E E N A dot S H O U S E, at, at FM Transitions. Dot com, or I'm really good at t- returning texts, 913-486-8847, or you can always use trusted old LinkedIn. Although I don't check my LinkedIn messages as much as most. That's what it means to be truly semi-retired ah. <laughs> when you only check your messages occasionally versus having your cell phone in your hand when you sleep.
1: Thank you so much for being part of Inspiring Leaders and sharing your stories your perspectives, these wonderful experiences that you've got. I think you've helped all of us.
0: Thank you, Terry. Always a pleasure. And please do reach out if there's anything, any questions that you have or anything that I can do to help.
1: Thanks again for being part of our quest to make inspired leadership ubiquitous. Wherever you are, we hope that we've helped to inspire you and that you'll pay it forward by inspiring others. And just a reminder to support us on iTunes, Google, and Stitcher with your ratings and comments. Your support makes a big difference and we sure do appreciate it. Until next time, take care everybody. Bye for now.